Welcome back to the A-Suite Podcast. We are UCLA Anderson MBA students bringing you the best insights on industry deep dives, the MBA experience in general, and so much more. If you're a board game enthusiast, we have a super fun episode for you today. We're talking about the game where you settle in a new land, cultivate resources, steal from opponents, practice deception and negotiation, and apply strategic and economic principles to reign victorious. That's right, we're talking about none other than Settlers of Catan. Join us as we discuss our wins and losses and why we think this might just be the perfect board game for MBA students. Welcome to another episode of the A-Suite podcast. We're so excited to have you listening with us today. Uh, This is a special episode where we're bringing together the core team, myself, Katie Schiff, Shruti Pandey, Jody Christensen, and John Lee to talk about board games, game night, something we we hope you all get to enjoy at times, whether virtual or in person these days, uh, with your friends, family, MBA cohort members, whoever it may be. Uh, We thought there's nothing that brings together friendship, competition, frenemies, maybe some alcohol-type beverages, like a game night. So we are excited to chat all things Settlers of Catan. How's the week been before we jump in? I know it's a really busy time with recruiting and school. We started a new quarter, so we've got some new core classes. Jody, how's everything been treating you? You know, not enough time to play Catan lately with <laughs> and classes. Um, so that is that is a big bummer. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's an interesting time. I, I guess I didn't realize quite how much time I'd be spending on the recruiting stuff when I started my MBA. I thought the, the emphasis would be a little bit more on learning. Um, but, you know, we're making it through. We're still trying to keep up with operations. That's my biggest challenge right now. <laughs> yeah. John, I'm chilling. It's uh, it's good. It's good. It's it's a new year. I've definitely gone through some internal struggles on like what I want to do, where I'm at, like what where should my time be allocated. But I think I have a strong path forward. And speaking of this topic, I'm going to be spending a lot more time on Catan and Colonist, and so uh, really pumped for that. That's the that's the new future of me. I'll be spending more time doing more board game type things. So. We'll see how recruiting goes. I'm not sure where that's at, but you know, talk to me maybe in a couple of weeks and we'll figure that out. <laughs> okay, we will check in with John in the future. Shruti, how are you doing? Doing good. The week started with like a lot of submissions and I was like, my life is just like going to go to hell <laughs> after this. But surprisingly, it's been quite social. And the first time I played Catan was yesterday night. We started at around 9 p.m., ended at 2 p.m., and as Jody mentioned, like there's a lot to learn as an MBA student, a lot of strategy, <laughs> how to lose the strategy, how to gain a new strategy. So we'll talk about that. Yeah. And we are all taking strategy right now yeah. this quarter. So we all just started our business strategy class. There's so much strategy. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, this is I have a lot of friends who feel that way as well. Like this is such a strategy driven game and 
honestly, the game makes or breaks with your first house placements. But before mm. we jump into the details, I want to give all of our listeners just a quick rundown of how Settlers of Catan works in case Good you call. haven't played mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. or it's been a while. Settlers of Catan created back in the 90s. So this is what it says on their website. Picture yourself in the era of discoveries, a long voyage of great deprivation. Your ships have finally reached the coast of an uncharted island. Its name shall be Catan. But you are not the only discoverer. Other fearless seafarers have also landed on the shores of Catan. The race to settle the island has begun. So this did win the 1995 Game of the Year in Germany. And I think we can say it has certainly been one of the longest lasting, most successful games of all time. I first played it after college um, when I moved into a house with a bunch of men and they loved Catan and Risk and they were always playing these strategy games. Um, so essentially, you there's five potential players, they each have a color, and your goal, four, thank you, John, there are four could, potential... Could be more, but... Could be more if you yeah. use it. Yeah, okay. There's players... They are trying to settle the map. Uh, Each turn you roll some dice and each uh, piece of the board is associated with a number. And if if that number is rolled, you get to collect that resource. So if I have a house on the number six, which is on top of some wheat, and the number six is rolled, I get to collect wheat, which is good for me because that helps me build homes. That helps me build roads, get discovery cards, whatever you need in order to win the game. And the way you win is you get 10 victory points, which can come from the number of settlements you have on the board, the number of cities, uh, actual victory point cards, which you can pull, and some random things like longest road and biggest army. Uh, so we'll leave it at that. There's a million different strategies that you can you can deploy to become the victor of the night and to settle Catan. Um, but let's just jump right in. John, you are very passionate about this game. So I yeah. would like to hear your experience with Catan and uh, favorite strategy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, there, there are a few... few uh nuances that i I would just want to clear up clear up their development cards they're called settlements and cities uh you said homes and discovery cards you know discovery cards development (laughs) cards i'm sorry listeners no worries yeah i I love the game i played it for the first time uh my senior year of college and like shruti i won my first time and uh the other three players were veterans they uh laughed at my position they thought I was just going to be um, completely annihilated and I came around and totally destroyed them. And since then, I've been addicted. I like the game because uh, each game with other people is different. The board's always different. The people you play with are different. And uh, sometimes I like to play out of spite. Sometimes I like to play out of pure strategy and just getting as many resources as possible. Um, but uh, I think the thing about the game that I appreciate the most is the whole trading aspect, being able to convince someone else that you know, a wheat is more valuable than two of their ore or what have you. Uh, that little dance that you play in that negotiation is something that I very much so enjoy, as well as just looking at the lay of the land and seeing what resources might not be very um, common. So then if I get some that's rare, you know, the um, leverage that you have when the supply is very low and the demand is extremely high, you know, you can uh, definitely manipulate the game in some ways. 
Um, so that's a quick little rundown. Great. And do you remember what your winning strategy was that first time you played? Uh, the first time I played, I definitely, uh, I really milked the idea that they thought I was bad and that just because <laughs> it was the first time playing that I wouldn't be good. So anytime a trade was happening, they didn't think of me as a threat. So I was just like, guys, like, look, I'm in last place. This is my first time playing. Like, what threat am I to you? Not really, right? So like, here, I'll give you what you want. You give me what I want, whatever. And uh, I just kind of went under the radar and then popped up with, I think I had three victory point cards, which are actually really dope because they're hidden from the other players. So they didn't expect it. And I just got three out of the 10 points right at the end um, and just revealed my my winning play. So in that moment, it was just, um, you know, playing under the radar, not drawing too much attention to myself and uh, trying to sabotage the other people is always... Uh, a fun little uh, game I like to play within the game as well. Yeah, it's interesting to hear that. And one of the things that I, when I first started playing, I lost every time. I don't think I won a game of Gatan for my first 10 tries. And I think it's because I really thought Longest Road was the way to victory. And I <laughs> relied on Longest Road and those two mm. victory points a lot and spent a lot of resources building roads and thinking about that and not, I think the way to do it is go all in in cities and kind of mm. get your points there. So mm. curious other people's favorite strategies. Jody, what, what do you think is the way to go? I'm really pumped to hear Jody's because she's more veteran than I am. Like I'm pretty sure she's like tripled the amount of games that I've played. So I'm just pumped. I'm like so excited. Teach us right your now. ways, Jody. <laughs> Actually, I just looked up on Colonist for those of you wanting to play online, colonist.io is a free um, place to play and you can see your history of your wins. And <laughs> Um, it's pretty pretty dismal right now. I have a 15% win ratio, um, so that's not very good. Uh, oh, no. oh, <laughs> no. It's that bad, played right? Many games. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's a think, hard game. And you're probably, are you playing online with I'm, like I'm randos? Playing, I usually play with the same three or four people. Oh, okay. No. I take it back. Yeah. No, there's a um, <laughs> shout out to Katie. Katie is the one that always wins. Um <laughs> Not me. She, she does, yeah, different Katie. Katie. <laughs> she deserves a big shout out for her expertise in this game. But I agree with this Katie that, you know, starting out, I think the temptation is to go with the, the brick and wood strategy because you think you need those resources for roads and settlements. But the ore, wheat, sheep strategy, I think is superior because you need them for, for cities and also for development mm -hmm. cards and development cards are really important part of the strategy that are overlooked. You can get victory points that way. That's a very easy way to, to get points. Um, and also once you build your cities, then you get more resources, you have more leverage to trade with other people. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think um, I started playing Catan with my family years ago. I don't remember the first time I played, but um, Catan takes a special level of emotional maturity because it is very <laughs> easy to hold grudges through the entire game and just so lose yourself in the pursuit of sucking somebody else's chances of winning. Uh, so it takes quite a bit of composure to get beyond that and um, mm. play logically. So I appreciate yeah. that, that kind of emotional challenge. Um, I also think like John mentioned that the trading aspect is interesting. I've been known to offer future futures trades. You know, if you, oh. if, you know, yes. this time, next time I get a brick, it's yours. 
Um, so oh. it's fun to be creative yes. that way. It's a little harder to do that when you're playing online. The you know that kind of negotiating is a little trickier to do. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, mm. I'm a little bit spoiled for playing online because um, it sets the board up for you nicely, and you know you don't have to spend <laughs> that time setting it up, cleaning it up. That is a huge part of it. Setting up the board is definitely annoying. My family actually has what is called the family version of, of Catan. So instead of having little pieces, um, it's the board is basically broken up into six bigger pieces. So you can't endlessly um, randomize where the resources are. You can only randomize them to a certain extent, but setup and cleanup is so much faster. Um, huh. So I guess they sold that version for families that they knew wouldn't want to do the whole cleanup. It was a lot cheaper than the, the regular version. So that's what we have. Yeah. Yeah. One one thing that's uh, interesting, uh, Jody, you kind of touched on it, but I quickly want to tie it into like business here real quick. But at the beginning, I think uh, you're both right in saying that the roads like the, the wood and brick are uh, good because that allows you uh, maybe maybe the right term is to capture more market share. I guess you get to expand more, capture more numbers because you're growing your, um, you know, touch in your territory so you're able to get more production and then getting cities is how you close out the game because you need to develop so cities could be maybe compared to like R&D and like investing in your own businesses so that you can produce more man this is so exciting um okay I just wanted to say that because I thought that was a really cool good point um and that's my value add for today so uh (laughs) next similarly to that John which is a great point it makes me think of bottlenecks which I know has mm. just been a buzzword for us MBAs the last three weeks since starting our operations Bottlenecks. class. Mm-hmm. Bottlenecks. And I do think, in a way, you could say people who are really focused on roads and and kind of owning as much of the map as possible versus really focusing on, on a very resource-rich area of the map that leads to bottlenecks in the future where you are unable to build up the amount of resources you need to actually Mm. earn those victory points and it's taking you a lot longer to get those resources save them up than someone who potentially just put down their settlements on some ore sheep wheat sixes and nines and eights those numbers that get rolled a lot Um, Maybe they have a port that allows them to go two to one on some resource that might be very valuable. And so they are able to shorten that lag time uh, in between getting the resources they need. Mm. Shruti, looks like you have something you really want to share. So please do (laughs) about your your winning strategy of Catan. Yeah, the first thing that I learned after the whole game was that probability is real. Like, I actually, if you actually try and mathematically see that how many times number seven is supposed to come mathematically, it turns out that, yeah, it appears more than it's supposed to be. And it was, my God, I actually started getting scared of that number because every time they would like, I was the clay queen yesterday because I had a lot of like four houses around that. And everybody would be like, you know, oh, just block her. Otherwise, she's going to, you know, mm. control all the clay. And then my husband was the shepherd. Uh, uh, so he was, you know, all <laughs> taking care of the sheep. So and so it was like something that I, I was like, oh, it's for real. 
secondly, the you know people. I think you have to be very careful that what your competition or what your you know other members mm. are holding as cards. So the person who owns the bank knows everything. He's he because he's the one who's giving away the card. So if you need to have a lot of RAM to actually you know remember that what you gave away in the last round or in the you know last to last round, just to know who has what cards. Mm. So that was some, I've never played with a banker. Yeah. I always played oh. with draw your own cards. Oh, okay. So yeah, we had one person who was responsible for doing that, and I was like, you know, this person is like trying to control every game. Wait, and, what? Whoa, whoa, whoa! Yeah, Time out. Whoa, 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 whoa! You're saying okay? So us four playing, one of us is playing, but we're also the banker. Yeah. So this person, he was oh, giving that... away. Yeah, he was giving away the cards. Like you know, he would if you had like two stones that he was supposed to get. This guy was so sharp that he remembered that he gave you two stones like three rounds back. So he actually knew what kind of cards you have. Um, okay. And, okay. So yeah. anyone could do that because you, yeah. you see what people are getting. It's like tw- okay. it's like counting cards and in, in blackjack. You just have to be trying to remember. And I think that's a part of it. Like one of the most common things I see happen when playing is, does anybody have any wheat? No. No. <laughs> so that's what everybody says. So you know which resources are not in the game. Yeah. Um, and which ones are. And number seven was like, you know, if you I happen to have like nine cards at one point. So when I actually matured in the game, I would give away like five cards to a person just to travel light. Like the mm. whole of course I was not ha- I was a noob. Like uh it was not like I knew how to handle those five extra cards, but it was like, you know, making all those kind of mistakes. For the longest time, I thought that cities had no value in the game. I was just mm. making them because I had the cards. And then somebody reminds me, you know, you're getting victory points with every city or settlement. So mm. learning through the game, you know, educating yourself for the first time was like, you need to have people you can trust. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's interesting. You, you brought up a, a few points. Um, the first was like the whole remembering what other people have um obviously like you mentioned you want to be aware of the competition but in the i'm like trying to start entering uh the competitive space of Catan and like online Catan and being more competitive and that is by far like the the biggest differentiator is how far uh back can you remember so like i can remember your cards for like maybe three like whole rounds but then after that i kind of just get annoyed uh, whenever like you start building things and I have to keep track of what you lost or what you used. And so then I just kind of like give up and I'm like, all right, I kind of know what you have. That's good enough. But some of these competitive players, like I, I have to think they have an Excel sheet running in the background or something. I was going to say there's no rule <laughs> against writing it down, right? That's what people do in, in chess. They write down what moves mm. are being taken. and. But like um, if you're like in a tournament and you're like, like if you're a chess player going up against a real chess player in person, you're not going to be there like no, literally things. they do that's that's what? the only time i've seen didn't you watch the queen's gambit oh no i i don't watch that no i've heard great things in the queen's gambit they write down every move they take and they, those are the master chess the chess masters um and they're doing it so that they can understand and look back and think about strategy so i think if you're going in on professional kataning yeah shruti i want to ask because you said that you were controlling uh yeah you were controlling clay or bricks and then your husband was controlling 
the sheep. The clay. So were you two colluding? Because so much of Catan is your relationships with the other players. And, you know, when you play with a bunch of best friends, there's, you know, the two that always are enemies. And so they never trade with each other and they hate each other from the beginning. Then there's, you know, when I play with my sister, we'll be like, oh, do you need this? Sure, here you go. Um, and so <laughs> just wondering if you two became a unit and leveraged that relationship against the other players or if it was some tension between uh, husband and wife. It was definitely tension. Uh, I mean, my husband actually, I realized like I should not expect any husband-like things from him in a game. Like he is a true <laughs> feisty player. So he forgets that I'm his wife. So that's certainly like out of the window. And uh, secondly, the alliances. Yesterday, like I realized the alliances were made and they broke like with every round. Like this person would trade with you in this round and he'll become your biggest enemy in the next round. And it's just that the two seasoned players were so busy sabotaging each other that the other two, like uh, we, you know, went so ahead in the game. And the other person who was winning with me had this, uh, this knight, the largest army card with him. So once we all realized that we could like, you know, he's the one who is winning, let's focus on him. The, he, his largest night card was just taken away and he was like two points back. So, you know, it's like who is a focus in the game, you know, become it's so difficult for that person to win because everybody is now trying to take away your resources or not provide you or trade with you. So um, you just have to be, you know, be quiet. Just try to be, you know, ignored. It sounds <laughs> so I like, think that's the yeah, it sounds like you needed to understand your positioning within the market and your competitive yeah, advantage yeah. Yes. be able to strike when someone yes. was focused on the wrong thing, yes. uh, which is very easy to do. I think another topic that that brings up is like the cost benefit analysis, right? Cause when you're doing trades, you're effectively helping someone else out in order to help you out. And you have to kind of weigh your options. Is this going to benefit me more or is it going to cost me more in the future by, you know, giving my competitor, my enemy or my frenemy, I don't know how, however you want to put it. Um, I think that's a, also a very interesting uh, battle and conversation you have to have internally with yourself. So it's cool to hear your perspective on that a little bit as well. Yeah, I haven't played Catan with people I don't know very well. Um, so for anyone who has, like the difference between... I, I mean, I know that when we were doing our... Um, for, for Anderson, we had something called Section Olympics, where the different class sections within the class of 22 were playing against each other for a prize. And uh, Settlers of Catan was one of the competitions. And so that was pretty early on in the NBA experience. So uh, we didn't know each other too well, but I didn't play. Jody, I think you did. Um, how was that experience versus playing you know, with your friends and people that you know really well? um yeah i think they're all different um with your real friends you like you have like you know something to fall back on if you do get into an argument you know you'll be okay with strangers it doesn't matter <laughs> you can do whatever you want with no repercussions with new classmates like you want to like come away with still having like a good reputation <laughs> you know this is someone you might become friends with so yeah it's a little bit different um you know trying to i um 
I, yeah, I definitely, I think I won the first round I played and then the next round it was, you know, much stiffer competition. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, that was, I still, you know, hold hard feelings for Lewis who beat me, but, uh, that's okay. Shout out to you, Lewis. I, I remember lie. Adam, Adam won, Adam Hakeem won the championship for section C. So very, I do proud. remember that. I was very proud of him for getting us some points. Shout out to section C. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I was also in that uh, in that tournament, and uh, I still hold some some pretty uh, you know hurt. I have a lot of hurtful memories. There was an individual I won't name them, but they exploited multiple times like a deficiency in the uh, colonist uh, browser game. So when you're playing online, when you submit a trade, it sends it to everybody, and then people can either accept or decline it. And so verbally, we would say like, "Oh, I'll accept that trade." This person came in and like didn't say anything, but hit accept. And so the person that initiated the trade sees the check mark. And if they don't check the color, then they'll do the trade with the wrong person, basically. And they exploited that once. And we were all like, whoa, like that's messed up. Like, why would you do that? And his response was like, oh, you know, it's just it's part of the game. You know, you got to pay attention. And like, that's a flaw of the system. And we're like, okay, that's a little sketch, man. Uh, but the issue was it happened twice in the same game. And now to me, that person is dead to me. <laughs> um, but I'm I will sure likely you know not. who you are, whoever is listening. Oh, he knows. He knows. How dare you. Is it possible I did something even more egregious that um, I'm not sort of proud <gasps> of? But um, I, I did the, the classic move where you trade a resource out to somebody and then you use a monopoly to get it back. Um, that's a killer one. That's fine. That's back just part of the game. Yeah, I think that is very much so part of the game. You didn't exploit like a, a flaw in the system. What you did was you out out thought or outplayed someone else. Um, you were thinking three steps ahead and that is just smart. Yeah. I just, I feel that, you know, imagine like this guy, you have to network with him like a <laughs> few years down the lane and you're like, oh, remember that Catan game? <laughs> you know, I forgive you. <laughs> One day he's going to come to you for a job and you're going to say, yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very interesting. I think, I think another fun thing though with, uh, with Catan is uh, sometimes logic just doesn't have a play. Uh, I think Jody Jody kind of brought it up, but there's a lot of emotion involved and you can go purely off a of spite. And I've played games where people just bring up trades that aren't even a part of the game. They're like, they're like, hey, I'll do your dishes tomorrow if you give me this trade right now and we can make this happen <laughs> and it's going to be great. And it works. It works. And I hate it. Like that has nothing to do with anything. Um, but it just goes to show that there's a. Uh, you know, the more creative you can be on the scene, whether whatever you're negotiating with, um, I think there it just opens up a lot of doors. A little side. Yeah, tangent. absolutely. <laughs> you need to do a lot of face reading as well. Like, you know, when mm-hmm. somebody gets a victory point, like yesterday I spotted a person. They try to hold their face as if like they don't want to smile. But that's the thing. Like whoever is trying to hold their face is like, oh, he has a victory point. Yeah. Um, because they actually... don't reveal it. That actually leads me to one of one of the um, superlative questions that I wanted to ask everybody. Which of the development cards is the worst one to pull? I personally am always disappointed when I pull a knight 
because I just never really do the night strategy. Mm. But what do other people think are the, the best and worst of the development cards? So I think it depends. Uh, classic answer. But early game, if you're early in the game and you invest resources into getting a development card and I get a victory point, I am very upset. Uh, just because at the beginning of the game, I'm looking to expand, I'm looking to get resources, I'm looking to leverage something. So I'll take anything over a victory point uh, if I'm below like five or six points total. Uh, and then the best card, uh, I think it's like no question, it's Monopoly, uh, which is basically you play it, you name any resource that you want and everyone has to give you all of that resource that they have. So if I say or and you all have like a, a collectively have like 12 or I get all 12 of those like that's insane that that card literally changes games and it makes people so mad and it, I love it. I love it. I always <laughs> use that card at the wrong time. I can't tell you how many times I've said everybody give me your wheat and no one has wheat. It's really <laughs> sad. So um, you need to know. Yeah. You need to keep a track of who has what, right? Mm -hmm. Like for that to be played well. Okay, Jody, what about you? Yeah, I think it, like John said, it depends. Um, I think the knights are great. Um, if you're being competitive, then people might be getting up on you and a knight is a way to get the, the robber baron off of your resources and the largest armies to victory points. So that's really beneficial. I played one game that I remember very vividly because I was at nine points. I already had the largest army and I just needed one more point. And I was sure that a victory point was coming my way in the development card stack. And I drew, I swear, I, I think I had, I think I drew 10 cards, 10 development cards by the end of the game. And not a single one was a victory point. Uh, oh so that was God. very disappointing and a very bad That's strategy. Devastating. I lost, I Who lost shuffled those cards? Well, it was, it was <laughs> Nobody. The computer, you know? The computer had the computer. It was the AI. Yeah. yeah. You can't, you can't the AI. put all your eggs in one deck. You have yeah. To. Yeah. Yeah, for me, I think uh, I try to play game in a very safe and like I don't want to, you know, spoil any relationships. I don't want to get involved in animosities. So I avoid the night card. Like, for me, victory points are the best, best ones. Like, they're my, I, I want to collect them, you know, those kind of cards. Uh, I think the worst card for me would be uh, this one, uh, the Monopoly one. Because it's, you know, it, it, it is because I, whenever I got it, like, I know that I don't have any idea, like, who has what. And uh, it puts me in that situation that I'm not playing this game properly. Like, I'm not into this game too much because I have no idea who has what kind of cards, how can I can sabotage their game. So I think, yeah, I, it kind of like puts me in that guilt situation. So I don't like it that much. This is another plug for playing on, on Colonist because it will it'll show you how many of every resources left in the deck. So you know how many are out. Hmm, yeah. Wow. That's a big, yeah. big help for Monopoly. Oh, well, this has been a treat chatting settlers with you all what a nice break from our busy homework recruiting informational interviewing club running mba lives um now i just want to play board games for the rest of the day but i think we have to go be productive now yes. um but 
thank you all for listening. Uh, we're certainly going to do more episodes like this where we deep dive on, into some of our favorite games. We'd love your recommendations uh, or please argue with us on why our strategies are terrible or why you think they're great. Or the uh, we'd best love way to, hear it. to pronounce it. Catan or Yes, Catan or Cat. Cat- oh. I don't even know how you Catan. say it. Oh my God. Catan. Catan. Catan versus Catan. I think we know which one's right. Um, but <laughs> yeah, so thanks so much. This is the A suite. Uh, we'll check you next time. And there you have it. Catan, 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 however you want to say it. We just hope that you agree with us that this is a great game that can teach us so much about strategy and negotiations. Do you want to argue about winning strategies? Or maybe you want to suggest a board game for a future episode. If either of these apply to you, send us an email over at theasuitepodcast at gmail.com. And if you like what you're hearing, leave us a review on your favorite podcast app and tell your friends about The A-Suite. Big shout out to our host, Katie Schiff, our executive audio director, Alyssa, and our executive producer, Jody. And of course, one shout out goes to Shruti for staying up late into the night to do some hard research in the form of playing Catan herself. Thank you all so much for listening today, and we'll see you next time on The A-Suite Podcast, signing off.